When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. You play Thursday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oh, What a Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network, here to go through the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful over the course of the last 48, 72 hours or so in all things Spurs. In the starting lineup today, Dan Kilpatrick, Jude Summerfield, Sean Walsh. And a massive welcome back to Hunter Godson. It feels like we should be like, way like, sort of like the, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> the crowd, the, the the several hundred followers we have go wild. <laughs> yeah, they love it though. Nay, they thousands. They make a hell of a racket when they yeah. get together. It's it's really is a treat. Um, great to have you back, mate. How's everyone getting on? Everyone in one piece? Just about another. Another huge L for the boys at the weekend <laughs> did not did not help, <laughs> but yeah, just just what everyone needs to perk them up at these times. Seeing Spurs go one nil down to West Ham inside of five minutes, yeah. what a treat that was. Surely, well, yeah, I, I I can't read what sort of you're saying with your face, but you don't look happy. Was, was this not the most fun <laughs> for you? Uh- you know what? It was probably the most turbulent I felt about Spurs in a while. Like it was actually quite a stirring match just because of everything that went on, and we'll get on to like the details of it. But I think just because I'm just so apathetic with our performances now and the results and everything that's going on, usually it's just kind of settling in that we're gonna get beaten and we're gonna get probably well beaten. We're not gonna be in the game at all. But then yesterday, like obviously after we got tuned down, there was like this real kind of show of life that we're not quite finished yet, maybe. And it was quite it was an entertaining last 20, 25 minutes where we actually looked dangerous and carved West Ham open a few times. But I don't know. It had the heart racing, but I don't even know anymore. Just I'm just so in a daze about everything with this club. No, but I like the fact that you're set your your pulse above like resting heart rate. That's yeah. that's a nice that's a nice change. That's something to something to celebrate on some level. Um, Jude, did you go for a? I saw your your tweet saying that there used to be kind of like rage runs after Spurs lost. Uh, 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 yeah. Like, did you go for a post match run to kind of like decompress? It wasn't ra- It wasn't a rage run. But um, yeah, it was quite, it was pretty chill and quite zen. I've just like, during like first post, you know, project restart, I'd go for runs during then just, just to be like, oh Jesus, this team are awful. I need to get my, 
rage out somewhere and I get like two miles and that would be it in like 25 minutes and I feel like I was sprinting but now I can just like I just I just have very calm long runs and it's lovely it's like that really great bit in Peep Show where he gets into jogging for like five minutes. He's like, I'm cram, I'm over there. Oh, God, I'm I've got a stitch. I'm dying. Yeah. And Dan... I think I'm going to be sick. Been, <laughs> it must have been the weirdest post-match view that we've had in a while because usually you get some juice from Mourinho, but this was chaos, right? It was a great line. I mean, mm. the line about him still being second to none is kind of... What you want Mourinho to say, because you, you always suspect that's what he thinks, but he, he, he you know, he rarely is that avert in, in saying something so directly. So, yeah, from a from a kind of work and a journalistic point of view, it was it was kind of great that he said that, and I think it gave it gave a lot of people a, a headline or a, a back page today. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it, there's there's so much that we'll that we'll come on to just so people can get the lay of the land of what we're going to talk about today. Because I don't want people to switch off if you think we're not going to talk about Gareth Bale. We're going to do a section on Gareth Bale at the end. Um, we're going to start with the good stuff and we're going to start with the, particularly the second half. We'll talk about the slow starts in both halves. We'll talk about the quotes in a little bit more depth and then we'll look at Wolfsburger. But let's start with the second half. Some reasons to be positive. Um Hunter, we, we, we spoke off air just a little while ago about the fact that we actually got a little glimpse into some of these players attacking prowess and it really reassured me that a lot of these players, they've got very, very good attacking levels. Like We, we could be taking advantage of this. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think what we've heard a lot recently is is slander from our own sort of fan base claiming that a lot of our players aren't good enough and this that and the other and I think although that might be aimed more towards the defensive areas I think it's you know you're even hearing talk you know from some areas saying well Son's not performing to his blah 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 you know and I think the second half yesterday was just a reminder that it's all about getting the balance right and what we ended up with yesterday was Gareth Bale in almost a free role and he was opening all these doors for other players with his with with a brilliant passing range, but also he, you know, he was great change of pace, uh, and and it allowed players like Lucas Moura to move further up the pitch because I maintain that Lucas Moura out of the attacking third is essentially useless. Uh, you don't you don't want him on the ball. His passing, his his possessions that's awful. He, you know his passing range is not great, so. It allows him a bit further forward. I liked when Deli Ali came on. I thought he added a, again. I like what Deli Ali adds to the team. Um, it was it was encouraging. It was it was a what we'd sort of seen on Thursday was a new a new trio, and, and there was a lot of sort of murmuring from the Spurs faithful saying, "Well, maybe maybe we'll get to see these on Sunday." And then Mourinho sort of backed it up, and I think a few people were a bit annoyed that we didn't get to see it from the start. But I think there is a basis there that Mourinho can move off with, including Bale a lot more. Maybe Deli Ali comes in a little bit more frequently. I wasn't totally convinced by Lucas throughout the game. I think Lamella's place is probably still up for grabs, but um, definitely, definitely more interesting in the second half and and just more a, a fun watch. I think that was what most Spurs will say. Like it was good to watch in the second half. Um, I don't think that was massively through Spurs forcing West Ham into giving us possession. It was more than West Ham saying, we don't think you're good enough to break us down, have possession. And Spurs almost did do it. It should be said that Spurs did almost get back in the game, but only after, you know, being 2-0 down. 
Right, apologies for the small break in proceedings, but we just wanted to give you a quick message from our new sponsor. That's right, we're a branded podcast now. So support for Oh What A Night is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, so come along and join the fun. We have an exclusive offer for listeners of Oh What A Night, 20% off, plus free shipping with the code 90min20. So get involved, get 20% off, and don't use the same trimmer that you use on your face as you use on your crown jewels. I don't know. I don't... Um... I thought a lot of the, the chat around Son, like you said, was particularly strange. But I do like the fact that we suddenly have got a bunch of attacking players on the pitch and they were they were looking to be direct, looking to win individual battles. And I mean, like I said earlier on, we'll come on to Gareth Bell in a bit. But the wider attacking unit, Sean, was just it just it was exciting to watch. Right. It was it was interesting. It was engaging. It had you on the edge of your seat a bit. Yeah, for sure. It felt like especially in the last 15, 20 minutes, it was like wave after wave after wave of Spurs attack. Like every time you kind of look up, it was, oh, Spurs are in the final third. What are they going to do here? Um, and we haven't really seen that for a while. Like even, it's easy to say that we only played that way because our hand was forced, because we were 2-1 down, because we had to. We haven't been doing that at all, even when we've been losing in the last few weeks. Like it's been nothing. So this is the small improvement from that. We can't get carried away from it because this is like the bare minimum we should do but it does show that there is signs of real quality in the squad and we've been sitting here week after week saying there is quality in this squad you look at when Bale came on you look at when Delhi came on you look at the invention that they brought just this we're not done yet and mm. I thought it was very strange that there were a couple of things that really got to me that people were annoyed that Delhi did a little flick on the edge of the box in the last minute yeah. I want to remind everyone that a deli flick on the edge of the box in the last minute brought us our greatest moment of the last 30 something years. So shove up. Um, <laughs> Simple, but effective. So, yeah. 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 I, I have nothing else for that. And then people kind of digging in at Son, who's played a million games this season, just because he just happens to be fit and available all the time. It's just this guy played 45 minutes in Wolfsburger the other day when he probably didn't need to. Mm. And he's, He's still got the most non-pen goals of any player in the league this season. Like, we can't forget that. It's just people picking the wrong fights and then people going after Ledley King as well on Twitter. I can't, I just cannot believe that. I cannot believe that people are coming away from that match, especially that second half performance and thinking, what are the things wrong? Yeah, Deli Ali, Son and Ledley King. Those are the things that's wrong right now. <laughs> I, it's, it's all too easy, isn't it? To, to kind of pick, pick those narratives because they're, they're, they're targets that can't actually respond. You know, they're people that can't actually sort of come back in any way, shape or form. But Jude, it was, it was definitely nice to, to sort of, to put to bed some of the hyperbole, wasn't it? That, that the idea that somehow a load of these players have become useless almost overnight. It, it was just ludicrous. Mm. I think um, the whole individual mistakes thing really feeds into that quite a lot because if you're seeing goals getting being given away, like most weeks, just needlessly, you start to think, oh, these players, they're just absolutely woeful. They can't 
they can't kick a ball straight and they can't clear crosses and things like that. Um, but no, they're, they're players who can, who can force those sustained periods of pressure for like a half. And that's what we, we saw on Sunday. And that's the sort of a, attacking intent we haven't really seen or we didn't see in those losses to Liverpool and Brighton um, and Chelsea. And it's not just, it's not just Son or Kane who, you know, who can step up and, and have a big part to play there. It's, it's Bale being sharper and switching play and, and Lucas actually helping out a little more around there as well. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot nicer, but still the shit. Yeah. Weird one that, and it, it's sort of like, it's strange to be being positive off the back of losing to, uh, losing to West Ham. Um, and now going nine, nine points behind them. It's just almost a little bit kind of like out of body at the moment that you're, that we're finding positives at a time when we've lost four out of the last five. Um, but Dan, I wonder what the, the second half was like from your point of view. Was it, did it feel as if Spurs were in the ascendancy? Did it feel as if West Ham were creaking? Yeah, it did. I'm reluctant to kind of talk about Bale because I know we're going to come on to him. But I mean, I thought he was the the instigator and kind of changed the game. And in a way, that's kind of symptomatic of what's wrong with the side at the moment, I think. You know, it is very reliant on on an individual to, to pull out of the bag. You know, it doesn't feel like, still doesn't feel to me like there's a kind of structure that sort of anyone can step into. It's, you know, it's about almost just, you know, Mourinho's almost still at the stage where he's just trying out these combinations and sort of seeing what what, what floats. And obviously bringing on Bale and, and giving him a kind of free role you know, worked very well and that, that suddenly brought Spurs to life, whereas it, it just hadn't worked particularly well in the first half. So I still think that's a bit of a concern. Um, you know, it still feels to me like uh, it's either got to be Son or Kane or Ndombele or now possibly Bale, who, who's just going to kind of bring the team to life when it when it feels kind of very flat and, and very flimsy at the back. But yeah, I mean... But yeah, I mean, sort of in conclusion, I think, as, as the other guys have said, like the City game was so just insipid and, and kind of lacking anything. And so was the Brighton game off the top of my head, um, arguably the Liverpool game as well after Kane went off. So just the fact that, that there was this kind of fight, I think it showed that the players are still trying to win for Mourinho, definitely. Um, it, it did feel positive, but then I just wonder, you know, have expectations fallen so low you know has the Overton window been shifted so far that you know we're kind of delighted with a you know just a show of intent against West Ham at two nil down you know it's it's not great is it and Hunter you would have you I mean you would have seen this in, in granular detail I'm sure but you've talked in the past about the peaking manual and about the the lack of an attacking plan yeah at the back end of the second half if you looked at the team that was on the pitch, it, it certainly looked as if it was a case of hopefully one of these attacking stars will come through with something. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's beyond, beyond whether Mourinho has these amazing attacking plans. He clearly has attacking tactics. I think people will attack you and when you say bring up the peaking menu because they hate the idea that Mourinho maybe doesn't like to look too much into it. But he had three at the back... And he wasn't really covering the wings. He was very happy to just sort of chuck as many attackers on the pitch because he 
he believes, and he said this before, that you know, football is a game of individual mistakes and individual brilliance. And and if you have several players at the top of the pitch who can all pull out individual moments of brilliance, then you know your your numbers, your chances of scoring go up. But when you actually look at the passing shapes and where players are, who's picking up the ball and who's moving off the ball, there is still an issue of movement off of the ball to pick up the pass and move on to the next pass. Um, I think that, I mean, when, when you break that down, that, goes, that, that sort of trickles back to the defence. I think, you know, we talk a lot about individual mistakes, but individual mistakes tend to be a deeper rooted issue into, into what's happening beyond that and that if you if you have a plan that you can put into place those individual mistakes can sometimes be ironed out so you know I think it again as Dan said it's not a system where you could just take out a player and add another one in and and think oh he's going to do the same job because well because we've seen that that doesn't work and you know as fun as it was towards the end of the game yesterday it was just chaos wasn't it it was it was stick as many players into the final third and hope someone kicks it in the goal um, you kind of felt like if that son goal went in that would have been the perfect way for spurs to equalize <laughs> yeah, someone's exactly. smashing the ball into his shin and it's um, looping over over the keeper i'm not saying spurs didn't deserve it at that point but i think as dan said we're talking about a positive loss against West Ham also where I think if you ask 90% of West Ham fans would say they didn't even play well but they won so you know we really have to I don't know if it's our perspective shifting or we're just desperate for anything any positivity at the moment but it's not good is it it's not (laughs) it's not great I don't know Sean what do you reckon I think that's a really good question is it is it the fact that perspectives are, are shifting do you think that we're like having to rejig the way that we're looking at this Spurs side right now? Yeah, it feels like we're really kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, we've just been starved of not even just good performances, like just half-decent performances, performances where we've tried for so long, for much of the last couple of months. It's just, you give us anything, let us be positive over that. But with each each bad performance, it just seems like it's worse than the one before. So it, right, just it sounds like we're moving on to the bad bits then. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough no, of that positivity. Let's get rid of that. <laughs> no, but I want... out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, come on, we're ninth. We're ninth. Mm-hmm. We're West Ham are fourth and we're ninth. That is the reality we're living in. Our expectations are going to change. Let's, I mean, let's do it. We're, the, I personally feel like the reason that West Ham didn't have to play well is because... They had to play well for five minutes at the beginning of both halves. And there's no point in trying to analyse a performance once you're already down. If you're behind in a game, we gave West Ham the opportunity to do what we are desperate to do to teams. And to be fair to them, Jude, like West Ham did it well. I mean, Rice and, and Suchek were Rice and Suchek. They were as good as they've been all season. Um, but we, it's so frustrating starting a game and then just seeing us go behind to such soft goals. Yeah, I I I I wasn't particularly surprised we went down inside five minutes, I'll be honest. And it's to that old classic, the the cross from out wide that Spurs oh. can't deal with. We seem to concede a lot of uh of those goals. But it's almost <laughs> um, like a certain type of cross, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's it, it's like it seems like the the in swinging one seems to really like puzzle 
um, Eric Dyer and Hugo Lloris, and they're not really sure like who's going for it, who should who should deal with it. Do you, do you um, think that that's coachable? Do you think you can I don't coach think players? It's coachable. Do you think you... I, I I think no coach in the world <laughs> <laughs> could could deal with this. Um, I I mean I actually have a lot of time for West Ham. Um, the way they've done things the last few years because they they've approached it brilliantly. The uh, the players they brought in managing to keep Declan Rice, Suchek is just an absolute warrior. Like the way he was all bloodied and battered and. Um, <laughs> He, he was just like smiling as the camera turned to him and he was just like, yeah, I've got a little bit of blood on my face. Can somebody just, you know, that'd be nice if that's possible, if you could just wipe it up. And Jesse Lingard tuning up the band as well. I mean, oh, I know God. it's horrible to watch, but like, they got two I'm celebrations happy to accept that Spurs well. are a joke now. <laughs> if that's what's going on. Um, I think Mikel Antonio as well, right? I mean, yeah. oh, he's who, fabulous. Who he's who brilliant. He's like a that... battering ram up there. Who knew that he could be such an effective striker? And I mean, I mean, any Spurs fan before the game could have told you that Devinson Sanchez versus. Well, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it in the last few seasons. It's been, he's bullied him basically, and to be to be what were we four minutes in and see him do that was a bit like, yeah, okay, yeah, we've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. okay, and then it goes. There we go, one nil. Love it. <laughs> Just that it's so soft, though, isn't it? It's such a soft weight. Like I feel like we're. A little bit too predictable, a little bit too easy to score against. Well, we definitely, we definitely are. There's, 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 I mean, that you know, this is the this is the sort of debate that's dividing the fan base at the moment, isn't it? Is are we defensively uncoachable, or are we defensively not being coached well enough? There's definitely an argument that a couple of these players haven't improved, but Mourinho has to take massive slack for continuing to pick. The same. I I, can't, I think it was a while ago. Dan Dan or Sean said, if they're really that bad, is it not time to start pairing Alderweireld with Tanganga at centre back and start trying to bring him on, or just start Roden and Tanganga and start trying to get them as a as centre back pairing? You know that it, it's boring now. We know what they can offer in the system that Jose Mourinho is offering. It seems bizarre that he would continue to keep picking them if if what he said after the game is true and that they cannot, you know, some things are uncoachable and he's the best manager in the world. So I think blah, a, blah, blah. a lot of it is, is coming down to Mourinho preparing for the opposition more than the average manager does. Mm. And it felt like Dyer and Sanchez were in there because he knew there was pace from Antonio and he didn't want to get caught. So Sanchez played and he perhaps feared West Ham from set pieces. So Dyer played and, and it, it, it kind of felt like that to me. I, I, I don't know what others thought but yeah. I, I can sense the frustration from Spurs fans just on social media just so many questions today about why Alderweireld isn't getting a go in the league with Roden or Tanganga and I suspect Alderweireld's minutes are being managed because he has had fitness problems and he is creaking a bit yeah. but you know still I think it does surprise me that Mourinho hasn't kind of picked one of Roden or Tanganga you know the one he just thinks is the most promising out of those two and and put them next to Alderweireld and just said, you know, go and learn from from him, mm. because it just doesn't seem like uh, the the Dyer Sanchez partnership is going anywhere. It, it, it feels like I don't think they're they're beyond coaching. I don't think they're terrible players, but I think their confidence is is very low, and and they they're just actively getting worse at the moment. And and I mean, you... when you look at those comments after the game. <laughs> 
there's a, you can see where their confidence is low, can't you, Dan? I mean, imagine that's like the yeah, fourth I mean, or fifth yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, Mourinho has, has thrown them under the bus you know, several times, and you know his his narrative is that he's being let down by def- defensive errors in every game, and it's it's hard to dispute that. But you know, the, you have to question, as you said, a why these players aren't getting better and don't look like they're being coached, and b you know why he keeps picking them if if the case is they you know they're they're sort of beyond help. Mm. Yeah, particularly when you. Particularly when you consider, like you said, that Toby Alvaro was was left out. You look at Dyer and Sanchez. To me, it doesn't appear that there's one of them there leading the line. I mean, Dyer, yes, vocally perhaps is 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 the loudest. But when you look across that back four, I don't know who I'd be looking at if I was Larice or if I was potentially Ndombele, who I'd be looking at either side and saying, well, that guy's leading the line, right? Because if you see an Eric Dyer having made how many, I mean, how many mistakes has he made recently? Not wishing to absolutely put the boot in, but you'd probably say Liverpool comes down, that, that one would, would, would drop on Dyer. Um, the Chelsea pen was Dyer, like the, the goal the other day. It like eventually Fulham, Fulham yeah. as well. God, I yeah. think, I think, but don't you, I mean, at some point, Newcastle, yeah, you have to, pu- you have to pull him out. You have to, as the manager, go right. Mistake after mistake, he might be a good defender, but you're having a really bad moment, and and uh, maybe the pressure's getting to you, and you feel, you know, people trying to really turn it round often, you know, make those mistakes. The Chelsea one was a great example of that. It's such an unnecessary penalty to give away, and and it's just a, it looks like a man trying to put things right, but as a defender, you need to be utterly composed all the time. Um, yeah, so. It's actually funny. I found a tweet this morning from myself. I think it was before we played Red Star in the Champions League towards the end of Poch's reign. And I said, Eric Dyer in a in a centre-back partnership in a back four, I've never felt so ill. And <laughs> now that's just kind of the norm and he's playing there every week. And I don't, I don't want to make it like a real kind of sticking personal thing to Dyer, but he's the one that demands to be playing centre-back. He's not very good there. It's just as simple as that now. And then there were points like yesterday towards in the last 10 minutes where he was trying to take it upon himself to find a way through. I just thought that was not the right thing. And I'm just... Because he is... I think he's a nice guy. From what I understand, he's a nice guy. He's, he's a cultured guy. So it's really disappointing that this once really great defensive midfielder for us like I don't know if it's partly because of the injuries or whatever, everything else at the club isn't just isn't a stable anymore. It's sad that it's now come to us being on this podcast weekly and just saying, "Oh, how about that Eric Dyer era?" I think we need to give him his old role of a goal-scoring centre back back to <laughs> from like fourteen fifteen when he scored against West Ham and QPR in the first two games of the season. If you gave him that role. He'd score every <laughs> game that he plays in, and we'd be all right. He was playing right <laughs> back those games. It's he weird was, to think yeah, that drifting he was up there. from right yeah. back. Well, and he was never really happy with that position. I don't think. I do want to touch on. Uh, let's move into the ugly bits because I want to touch on what what Hunter said there about the the coaching piece. Jose Mourinho's come out post match. Dan, probably you're in a uh, the best position to kind of run through this for us. 
His post-match press conference was a really interesting one. We got some fireworks in there. I, I saw a couple of people kind of questioning what he meant with some of his quotes. Maybe you could just run us through what the quotes were and what you took from them. Well, he said in his post-match press conference that his methods and his coaching staff's methods were second to nobody in the world, which, as I said earlier, was kind of the headline-grabbing line, kind of, you know, Mourinho saying, I'm still the best in the world. But I think what you're referring to is he told the BBC that Spurs had problems, and I want to get this right, but I'm going to have to paraphrase. It was something like Spurs had problems that he couldn't fix by himself as a coach mm. um, and long-standing problems, which I think... And it was a little bit ambiguous and, and some people kind of wondered whether that was almost like self-critical and him saying, you know, I've got my limitations. But then given the fact that he said he doesn't blame himself at all for the problems and he's second around the world would suggest it wasn't self-critical. It was actually, you know, another suggestion that some of his players, as we've said, are kind of beyond coaching and beyond help and he just needs new players. So I think I think that's what you're referring to. Well, yeah, and also I think so. You had the you had that quote. You had the quote that he was saying that his coaching coaching methods were second to none, and that maybe mm. sort of I wondered where is he going with that because there's a lot to unpack there. Is it a case of right the players? Oh, I've it's, got an, it's, just... a, it's, a, it's an abdication of responsibility essentially. Um... But then where does the gun point? Right, it's it's not my fault as as the 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 coach. But where does the gun point then? Like who is he turning his focus? Or not? Who is he leaning towards? Or is it just a case of you go and blame anyone else? Well, by implication, it has to be the players or the club. Um, Who who else can you blame? Yeah, I mean, I I think, I think it's the players. I mean, he, he, you know, he's he's always been very um, complimentary about you know the support he's got from the club, and 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 rightly so because I I think he got seven players in the summer, which is you know more than his predecessor got um, uh, most summers. So he's always been been fairly clear about that, but he, but he's also been pretty clear that he he wanted, or it, it is pretty clear that he wanted a, a top centre back in the summer. So, you know, I do think a lot of this just comes back to what we were talking about. He, he feels he genuinely believes that he doesn't have the players in the heart of defence. They're all of a similar quality, and he doesn't have enough to to turn this around and stop them making mistakes. I think, I think that was his implication. If I if I had to read it, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll be. Uh, he he he's never directly said that, right? But he he. We all know that Mourinho's great at controlling the narrative, and and he's he's kind of alluded to that many many times now. Um, so I think it it was probably a, another dig at his defenders and and sort of suggestion that there was only so much he could do to to put this right. I I listening to those quotes yesterday. I was just thinking, is there another manager in the world who could get away with this? Who 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 we know would just go, it's nothing to do with me. I'm still the best. Da, da, da. It must be something else. And lots of people go, yes, it must be something else. Is there another manager in world football? Do we think? Imagine if Lampard said that when he was at the back end of his Chelsea reign, how <laughs> everyone would be ripping the piss out of him for it. Well, I think that what we saw with Frank Lampard at the end is that he had that press conference directly before he went, where he kind of unleashed a little bit at the uh, at the media, didn't he? And like, yeah. straight away, the natural inclination is to go like, "Ooh," as opposed to <laughs> oh, <I'm laughs> yeah, as opposed to when 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 I think when Jose Mourinho sort of when he goes big, like 
like Dan said, he's very good at controlling that narrative because it like instantly leaves us sitting there wondering like, oh, where's he going with that? Like, is there something going on? Who do we need to kind of like, who do we actually need to go and do the digging on and, and find out as opposed to it, as opposed to just actually confronting the evidence that's in front of you, which is that Spurs have lost five of the last six Premier League games. Mm. Like, in yeah, terms I mean, of, he's, he's, sorry, he's just kind of incredible at, at saying stuff that raises more questions than answers, I think. Yeah. Um, which is why he's so great for us. Like, you know, we, we can sit here all day trying to work out what he tried to say. <laughs> um, I mean, he's, he's kind of, comments about Gareth Bale before Everton, I thought were a really good example. Um, you know, there was just enough kind of detail and intrigue there to leave you, you kind of, you know, it didn't really explain anything. You, you were just sort of left questioning and, and wondering what was going on and what he meant. And, and he, he, he's constantly dropping in kind of little nuggets like that. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a skill and, and he's great at it. And it, it leaves you just, just kind of wondering, um, where he's going with stuff but I, I guess in in this instance it does feel it feels increasingly disingenuous doesn't it because again it's like why are you selecting these guys and, and why aren't they getting better just again I, I looked at the form guide yesterday Spurs are now joint 19th form guide wise in the Prem with three points the last six games is that yeah, three or, points or, from a possible. Yeah, last six, three points from a possible eighteen. Uh, even I, I believe we're joint with with West Brom, mm. who have got three draws in there potentially. Well, I was looking um, at our next six fixtures, and I was like, I think our next two are Burnley and then Fulham. And even those, I was like, oh, I don't like, I don't like the idea of our defence against Burnley at the moment. And I've and Fulham have started playing, Fulham well have started well. playing nice football which we tend, tend to struggle with. And, um, it's just, it's bizarre to be looking at in those terms. And, and I think that's so, something we really need to get our head around is that at the beginning of the season and even before December, it looked like we had a good squad. So the, that narrative that the squad's not good enough anymore has come out of the last 12 games, which were always, always on the cusp. You know, when we beat West Brom, it was 1-0 and it was last minute. When we beat Burnley, it was 1-0 and it was... It was not convincing at all. You know, the Brighton game, not, none of those were wins where you went, yeah, that's convincing. We've played well there. We've um. played them off the park. <laughs> yeah. And this is going way back. You know, the Arsenal win was fun because it's Arsenal. The Man City win was probably one of our best performances this year, to be honest. But it was it fits that Mourinho sort of... I mean, it's just that thing of I, I just can't... It doesn't feel like we have a system still uh, that... that, that shows any signs of improving and it just just watching it just feels ancient still jude i want to just dig in dig down on those those quotes one last time for you just hearing it surface level when you listen to the interviews back or when you see the kind of them in writing what is your immediate reaction as a spurs fan uh i thought it was all a bunch of confirmation bias I think Liam Twomey should uh, should resign. That's what I thought. Um, <laughs> Very good. No. That was just that was in reference to just in case you haven't seen that Frank Lampard press conference, you need to get involved to go and have a watch yeah, of that because it was good. very very good. No. Sorry, God, you. Um, the the one thing I sort of picked out was the yeah, it was I think for a long time we have problems that I can't resolve by myself, and I just my head just linked it straight away to the centre-back issue and how maybe he's just playing Dyer and Sanchez all the time to be like 
these are the guys I've got to deal with. You know, this is what I'm putting up with at the back. And, um, and I can't fix this unless there's somebody else who's going to come in and shore us up. Um, so I took a rather depressing view on those quotes, really. You know what it reminded me of, the, those things? It was a piece that I think Jonathan Liu wrote um, for The Guardian after, it was ages ago, but one of, the, one of his quotes really stayed with me. And it was that, uh, let me get it up. It was that Mourinho narrows your horizons, convinces you not to get ideas above your station, warns you to stop the opposition first and then only think about playing. And this, and then he says, this was all after eight weeks. Imagine what you can do in four years. And all I can think of, it's the exact same scenario, except we are, our, our horizons are getting narrower and narrower and narrower to the, think, to the point now where we're like, well, we can't compete in the league because the defence is too bad. So we'll just have to win the League Cup and the Europa League. It's just that, that it's that constant knocking away at what's realistic. When, when he was top of the league, he was saying, well, Spurs fans aren't used to this, but this is sort of deja vu for me. It's just, as, the, as we've said, it's controlling the narrative. When he wants it to look positive, it's positive. When he wants it to look negative, it's a broken team. It's uncoachable. I could never do this. Anyway, sorry, I haven't been on in a few weeks. And I need to rant. So. <laughs> Another thing. Right, let's, 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 have a right good, let's have a right good finish talking about Gareth Bale. That was such a joy. That was such a lovely, lovely 45 minutes to enjoy. Um, like, let's have a bit of a free-for-all. What do people like about Gareth Bale's performance? I think if the shot hit the bar went in, if it oh did go God. in, I think I would have fallen off my couch. <laughs> yeah, it was delicious. What a that, hit, it? son. What Beautiful. A hit. Absolutely it was it. it was everything I think realistic Spurs fans hoped for and wanted when he, when he came back. Hmm. I and mean, I think no hmm. one was who's watched him over the last few years was kind of expecting him to mic on people in the Premier League. That was never going to happen because he's not 23 anymore. But I think what Spurs fans wanted was like that intelligence, those little deft touches, um, the sureness of footing over set pieces, the little through balls, the, the finding pockets of space, um, you know, the, the, the sort of getting his head up, which is, frankly, with Lucas and Bergwijn, doesn't happen very often in, in, in the front line. Um, just all that kind of stuff, just looking like, like a, a top player, albeit one that doesn't have the physical qualities he used to. Um, that was what I think we all hoped for, kind of in tandem with, with Son and Kane. And I think that was the first sort of genuine glimpse of it, at least in the Premier League. Uh, so it was really encouraging. Yeah, it was like having an out-and-out creative player on the pitch as well. I think that's something that Spurs have missed massively with Lacelso gone and Eriksen obviously gone for a while now. But it, we really do miss a player who can pick a pass like that. You know, Undombele's dropped deeper, brilliant, and he's you know st- he had a quiet game by his standards, but there were still some absolutely brilliant passes coming out from deeper. And you do need that player a bit further up who can find pockets of space and then find the pass and. And I think Gareth Bale 2.0 is more that sort of player um, than, you know, when he's stuck out on the right wing, on the on the flank, and he's sort of a bit, he's left out there on his own. And he seemed to have a bit of a free role where he was moving from left to right and ending up in the middle a couple of times. And it was just, it, it, like you said, Haynes, it was, it was a moment of enjoyment. And as Dan said, you know, we... we 
with the Gareth Bell now, it's going to be moments. It's not going to be, you know, 90 minutes of intensity, of crazy intensity. It's going to be moments that, that remind you that he's still a really quality player and it's about getting him in the right spaces at the right time. And I think Spurs managed to do that to their credit. Um, it's just, it, it'll be really interesting to now to see if Mourinho sees that performance and goes, okay, right, we need to make that an important part of our tactical setup going forward because it worked so well or if he goes well we lost to West Ham so we're dropping back and we're going to try and get you on the counter-attack <laughs> I, I think that the the piece you mentioned there mate about dropping into pockets of space mm. that was what did it for me I don't know really, like something you noticed Jude but it felt as if he didn't necessarily need to be burning at searing pace when he was driving forward with the ball because the positionally, the spaces that he'd taken up were exactly where he needed to be. So we could drive into areas and people were still backing off him, even though he wasn't looking to beat them with, say, punting a ball 10 yards ahead of himself and, and chasing after it. Yeah, I mean, it's not. we touched on him not being the most physical player anymore, but he was still getting uh, Aaron Cresswell when he did come over to the right and he was still somewhat lazily skidding him. It was all kind of languid and he did just about get to the byline and clip one on, up to the back. Um, but yeah, when he was dropping into little um, bits of space, it was it was opening things up for players like Lucas Mora, who um, I don't know tried the goal he scored on Thursday a few more times and <laughs> sometimes he, he passed it and a lot of the time he lost the ball. Um, <laughs> Who knew that yeah, uh, he, West Ham were better than the Austrian lot, teams? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, in fairness, Wolfsburger are now Austria's fifth best team. I think they, they must have won a game in the weekend. Play. They've moved Fair up the fifth, so they're a little better now. Mm. Um, and yeah, he, I think he in particular was moving the ball out to Son on the left um, a lot. So he was he was giving our attacking players a lot of space and... I know that Mourinho said he didn't want to play centrally. Like he only wanted to play on the right. Like apparently that's the conversation that they had earlier in the season, but maybe just, we've had our little Eric Lamella experiment and it was, it's been nice in parts, the ball roll in like uh, the ball roll. 12th minute or um, so. Double so. Double ball was lovely. Ball it was lovely. With, the, <laughs> with that unnecessary one just tacked yes. on at the end before yeah. he passed it. That's his brand. That's like his signature. It's like Eric Lamella was here. He's tagged he, the pitch. His tag, yeah. yeah. Would I have rather Lamella done the bull roll or would I have rather the bell goal gone in? I, I don't want to comment on speculation. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we just enjoy them both? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just enjoy them. Yeah, they're both equal measure. Super. <laughs> well, look, it's been an absolute treat breaking down at least Gareth Bale's performance. Thanks mm. so much for, for joining us, guys. And um, thanks so much for, for listening along. If you haven't subscribed, do please think about subscribing. Leave us a review and a rating. Um, we'll be back again off the back of having play, playing Wolfsburg on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, check us out on Thursday, uh, where hopefully we're talking about us progressing through to the next round of the Europa League. And we'll be looking ahead to uh, Burnley. It's Burnley at the weekend, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, Burnley. Yeah, so that rolled around mm. quickly. Uh, we'll see you all next time. What a feeling, what a night. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.